Oh, it's good to see you. Hope you enjoyed the little multinational spin on that one. I think you guys could sing along with a bit more gusto. I decided I'm backing out. And sadly, she had asked if I would do one in Gaelic, and I thought, well, yeah, I could do that. Then I went to look at the words. Here's the thing. When you grow up and you're taught a language, you're not taught religious language. And I kept going, I didn't know that word. Oh, there's another one I didn't know. And so I decided, no, we're opting out. I could have just made it up because the two Gaelic speakers in North America probably aren't watching. But that said, <clears throat> I thought it was lovely done. Thank you, Evu and Misha. A very interesting little exchange that we tend to miss. It's in Luke 7. Jesus went on to say, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Now, we don't get this, and it's not your fault, uh, because there's so many cultural allusions he's making to the first century that we don't have. It was, he even quoted a children's rhyme that basically it boils down to this. You didn't do what we wanted you to do when we wanted you to do it. You didn't play by our rules. Therefore, we're going to find a way to criticize you. Now, this was 2,000 years before Twitter, but they had the idea. No matter what happens, they're going to criticize. So John the Baptist comes, and he is strict. He just, he doesn't eat good food. He doesn't drink anything with alcohol in it. He wears rough clothes. He's just, just a, a mountain man in the desert. And they're going, well, he's obviously filled with the devil. That's crazy. Jesus comes, and he goes to parties. Uh, he goes, and he has no problem with the wine. He has no problem with their dancing. He has no problem with the other. And they're going, well, look at that complete libertine. Has no laws, no, no religious things to him at all. Going, there you go. Oh, for the next one, well, well done you. I won't point out that you're here. It'll all be done quite. <clears throat> we saw nothing. Jesus is not a God that will go in a box. If your religion can be put in a box, that's dangerous. The great Christian philosopher and theologian Francis Schaeffer wrote a classic book on Christian evidences or apologetics as it's called. And the title was The God Who Is There. And I've used that title for today, but it's not about Christian evidences. I chose that title because I want you to, I want you to think about the concept of God being there. Every place that Jesus Christian went, evidence. God was there. He was there at that wedding. He was there with the fallen woman, the, the, the sex worker who had no way out. And he blessed and cared for her. He was there at the Pharisee's house. Wherever Jesus walked in, God was there. Hebrews 1 is really big on this. If you have time this afternoon, it's actually a pretty good Advent uh, devotion to look at Hebrews 1. Because Jesus is described there as the express image of God. If you've ever wondered what God sounds like, acts like, thinks like, look at Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, God is there. And in fact, was that not the name they chose? Emmanuel, God with us. 
As the centuries went on, it took very little time for religion to once again become a set, patterned series of actions with very little joy, very little eating and drinking in it. The, uh, if I understand, and I'm not a historian, uh, if I understand in American history when the Puritans and the pilgrims came over, you could go to prison or you'd be put in the stocks or something if you didn't go to church. They even had a guy, and this I do know because um, I've actually looked this up. They had people whose job it was to have a long stick with a knot on the end of it. And their job was to roam. And if you were nodding off during the long sermons, whack you. We'll be taking applications on the left of the soundstage. First of all, how unlike did, can you imagine Jesus doing this? I can't. Our church is determined to be a church that moves in the direction of the Holy Spirit and at the speed of love. We don't know what that's going to be, but it has taken us to some very different places. 49 states so far. And now we're in the 20s on nations, but you'll hear more about that in in a bit. We celebrated our birthday last week, and it's really a month of celebration for us because we had one after another, first, first, first. And several people sent birthday greetings, and we got to watch nine of those last week. There are a few that we're going to watch today, six short videos. And some of them are, are just very, you know, oh, we needed you, we found you. Others are tooting little horns, really, and graffiti. We showed a couple of those during the lunchtime, and they got the biggest response. And people said, you got to show this. And I was thinking, all right, before I do, I want to read Jesus saying to people, you don't get to choose life. Therefore, rejoice when you can. And that even is in church. And Jesus said, no, I'm not dancing to your tune. You've heard that phrase, have you not? I'm not going to dance to your tune. Jesus made his own rules. So we are going to laugh more than in most churches. We'll even cry some, but I'll never try to make you cry. And today we have people who are rejoicing that they're okay. And we have some others that are mourning. And so through this next period of time, just as we have dedicated ourselves to Waverly, when they were wiped out by the flood, we said, we go with one gen away. We're going to do an 18-month commitment to feeding the people of Waverly, Tennessee. We're going we're gonna to find a way to help you guys, but we just have to connect with you. And our prayer is, we had two from Mayfield last week. I will not say their name here because the internet is everywhere and people don't need names out without permission. But we had two of them visiting us last week from Mayfield. We'd not be able to get in touch with them. So pray for them. You can pray without names uh, and realize We can mourn and we can rejoice at the same time. By the way, Canadians, your videos were hilarious. I don't know what they're putting in the water up there. I assume the water would be frozen by now, but there it is. Um, I guess any country that puts a maple leaf on its flag has a sense of humor. Um, Maybe. I'm I'm not really sure. um, I love going up there and we'll show two of those. In fact, here we go. Let's just do six videos. Two from Canada one from North Carolina, one from Alaska, one from Texas, and finally one from Wyoming. And then we'll come back and talk about what this means with Emmanuel, Advent, and Christmas. 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, our safe harbor. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, our safe harbor church from Daniel and Kate here in Victoria, British Columbia. It's been a, a wonderful thing to, to be walking with you this first year, and uh, we just pray blessing on you. And uh, yeah, happy birthday, our Safe Harbor Church. God bless. Congratulations to Patrick and everyone at Our Safe Harbor for another year in the books. It's been great to watch this church grow from something small into something that's now, you know, has members across the globe. And whether it's folks who are uh, who have Our Safe Harbor as their church home, whether in person or online, or whether it's people who uh, just need another little bit of supplement to their uh, to their existing church that they're a member of. It's great to have you as a part of this church, and we look forward to all the blessings that we're going to be able to share with each other in the coming years. And again, thank you for all those who continually make this happen on a daily basis. Well, hello there, Our Safe Harbor Church. On behalf of myself, Travis, and my wife, Nicole, and everybody in Victoria that loves you so much up here in British Columbia, we just want to wish you a happy birthday. And birthdays are times of ow, um, ow, reflection, where we look backward at, at how God has been faithful to us and how he's carried us. And also there are times of looking forward, where we consider everything that he's going to do and, and pray blessing over the future. And so we just pray that same blessing over you today. And just, yeah, we hope it's a really, really fruitful time for you. And we, I guess, we also hope that you have some fun too, because, you know, they're fun. Yeah. So anyway, happy birthday. We love you. Have a good one. Bye. Alaska. We're Kevin and Nancy Chambers, and we want to wish our safe harbor a happy birthday. Happy birthday. We love you guys. Appreciate all you do. Thank you. We love Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Happy birthday, our safe harbor. We're Patrick and Carrie Ann Cannon from Texarkana, Texas. We're so excited to be able to share in your celebration of one year. And we wish you many, many more years in God's kingdom. Hey, our Safe Harbor family. We wanted to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Birthday from the Malone family here in Casper, Wyoming. We cannot express enough how thankful we are for our dear friends, Patrick and Cammie. They are genuine, kind, and their work is a perfect example of the true definition of love. I think we can all agree in saying that we share deeply in the heartache that Patrick and Cammie experienced last fall. However, after the darkness comes the dawn. And like a phoenix, something truly magnificent arose from the ashes. We are the body of Christ and have been given such an amazing opportunity, the ability to worship together across the world. We are so thankful to be able to live in this technological era and for the staff and volunteers that have made all of this possible. We, we love, love you all. all. Happy, Happy first birthday, birthday our, our Safe Harbor. There we go. That's... Uh, <clears throat> And I've put some birthday cards on the back there that I didn't read, but um, we're not really done yet. We've got a couple of pictures and one video, but I want you to remember all of this in the context of Matthew 25. 
please understand what Matthew 25 is. It is the only judgment scene in scripture told by somebody who's going to be there and knows how it works. All my life I heard judgment scenes, didn't you? <laughs> they were terrifying. And yet when you read through the scripture, they weren't there. They were in the imaginations of man. In fact, a lot of them had more to do with John Milton, an English poet, than they had to do with God. The only description we get by somebody who actually planned it is Jesus. And he says, you fed people, you clothed them, you loved them, you visited them in prison. Please remember, when you visited somebody in prison, it meant you were also on a watch list because people were wondering, well, who would go take care of this person? Because in prisons back in that day, you were not fed. You got no clothes unless somebody brought it to you from outside. And so visiting them, crying with them, celebrating with them, all of this, Jesus said, if you did it to any of them, you did it to me, which means God was there. Even, Jesus said, giving a cup of cool water in his name will not be forgotten because God was there when that exchange happened. When you shared, God was there. By the way, this is very offensive to a lot of Christians, although they'd never admit it, because they want more than just loving people and caring for people to be the qualifications. They want to make sure that you have this list of doctrines correct as well, and that there are behaviors that you would never do, and these behaviors that you would always do. And, and funnily enough, I mean, what are the odds? Their concept on what all of those rules are is what God's concept is. They make it up and say, this is ours, and this is, and, and surely God thinks like we do. Truly, the philosopher was right, who said that in the beginning, God made man in his image, and since then, man has been returning the compliment and making God in our own image. We have a Naaman complex. Now, if you're not church people or Bible people, it's okay. A, a, a general named Naaman came to a prophet. He didn't want to go, but his servant kept saying, listen, you've tried everything else. You've got leprosy. You know, it's the end of the road for you unless you get cured. There's, in Israel, there's this prophet. He didn't want to go, but he went. And the prophet said, if you dip seven times in the River Jordan, you'll, you'll be cleansed. And Naaman goes, what? I came all this way for there. You know, he wants to show. He wants more. You know, I got to crawl on my knees to Jerusalem. You know, I got to, we always want to make it hard. And the, you know, he said, you, you don't do it. You're not okay. In fact, his servant said, if he'd asked you to do all the hard stuff, you would have done that. Why won't you do the easy thing? Churches have always, by the way, he did and turned out all right. It, churches have lined up to tell people it's harder than Matthew 25. Who are we to say this? I'll never forget how much that tendency leaps forward and how it caught us once as we were on vacation tuning into a church that we were serving and one of the shepherds was pre preaching that Sunday in my place and he said, holiness is more important than love because God never said to be love, he said to be holy. And I'm going, what just happened? And my phone started lighting up. Did we just hear this? And I'm going, Naaman has entered the building. It's not easy. We're going to make it harder. 
until we, like Naaman, humble ourselves and get over ourselves and forget about building monuments to ourselves while claiming we're building them up to the Lord. Read Matthew 7. Because they said, we did all these great works in your name. Jesus said, no, I don't even know you. These weren't for me. These were for you. We will always be tripped up by Matthew 25 until we humble ourselves and get to work. Matthew 25, there's no mention of rules of worship, political leanings, or liturgy. By the way, I find liturgy beautiful, helpful, and wonderful until it isn't. Until it becomes required. Until it becomes what must take place. Then it is no longer beautiful. It is a chain thrown around us that God did not forge. Now, most liturgy is not intended to be anything other than helpful. And so, again, we're not anti-liturgy. We're not anti-church building. It is the anti-requirement that says this is the only way God will let you worship. No. When a crisis hits a community, it needs a church that is very flexible. That doesn't have to be in a particular place at a particular time doing particular things. I can remember in a church we, we served for 10 years up in Michigan, the Detroit area. There was a young lady, who, a young single lady that I saw and I, I thought, what? Well, I said, Stephanie, I haven't seen you for a while. She got really in, embarrassed because you know what happens when a minister says, I haven't seen you for a while. Then it's like, oh, where have you been? I wasn't doing that. And she was going, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I'll be back. Next. I said, no, tell me, tell me what's going on in your life. She had driven past a part of Detroit that at that time was where the homeless gathered, Cass Park, and on her way to church. And it was snowing, and she felt so bad for them that she drove to a grocery store, which is many miles away. There were no grocery stores serving these poor people. She spent the money she had on hot dogs, condiments, buns, and drove them back and just started passing them out. I'm sure cold hot dogs weren't the best thing, but it's what she had. And she said, I've been doing that. Sunday's my only day off. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll be back next week. I said, no, you won't. I said, don't you dare. In fact, how can we help you? And it turned into our congregation of over a thousand people would make homemade food. And it'd be taken down there in these big trailers that we didn't buy. It, uh, they, we, we borrowed them from a landscaping company. They would bring them down and we'd bring out grills and we would serve hot food. We'd get there early to double bag our hands and pick up needles and crack files to make sure it was safe. It's interesting when you look over and you see eight-year-olds doing this because they, these are our friends. These are not a problem. These are our friends. Jesus has now entered Cass Park. That's the, way, that's the way a real church works. We're not going to make the rules. Be Jesus. Be Advent for somebody. Jesus said, in fact, in his prayer, Father, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, why don't we answer his prayer then? Let's answer Jesus' prayer today and just do his will. Just do his will. We were called to love one another and serve one another. We've been collecting winter gear and hygiene kits for our homeless friends and our poor friends. GraceWorks is taking the winter gear. Uh, Williamson Homeless Alliance, uh, which is a group alliance, a group of um, ministries that works. Uh, I think Kevin Riggs is the director of that. 
they're going to take the hygiene kits. My thought yesterday was, oh no, should we be sending some of these to Kentucky? And immediately, I got, God doesn't talk to me because he knows I couldn't handle that. I was raised in a church that that wouldn't work. But he still gets to me. I mean, the next thought was, no, you don't split what you're giving. You find a way to give more. So we're going to, we're not going to rush up and tell them this is what we got for you. We're going to ask like Jesus did before Bartimaeus, what is it you need? And that's what we're going to be doing. Just as we did in Waverly and elsewhere. And this is the thing. It was mentioned there by Matthew Little. People aren't just listening to us on a couch. And that's, by the way, perfectly fine. And it's been brilliant and very helpful. We're finding that they're, in, they're getting friends in. And house churches are growing everywhere. So when we started collecting the gear, they did as well. And let's get up a slide, please. From, that's from Spokane, Washington. That's what they're giving. These are just a few families meeting, watching our safe harbor. Uh, they're in the eastern uh, area of Washington State. And they're ready. And they said, hey, we're doing it too. I got lots of these, these pictures. I'm just going to do another one here. Kim Rissling from Alliance, Ohio. She made these. And has already donated these. And is making more. And so excited. But this, it's happening all over the world. And we don't have a slide for her. But a teenager, Maggie Mandorfer, uh, up in um, New Jersey, has a heart for veterans. She's been taking stuff like this to the Veterans Center. She's been uh, making cookies for the Veterans Center. It is just amazing. And they are members of our safe harbor. Uh, this is going everywhere. What would it be like? If Christians decided just to do the simple thing and quit asking God for the hard thing. Instead of, let's save the world, God, what does the next person I meet need? Open my eyes to see the need. I, used to, I heard a prayer when I was young. It was often said, open up unto us doors of opportunity. Did you ever hear that phrase? I heard that a lot in prayers. I have since dropped all of that from my prayers and said, God, open our eyes to see the doors that have been standing open and we've ignored. Show us the doors. But I'm not the only person to do that. You don't have to imagine too much what this world would be like because you're going to watch a video now about three minutes long. This is just a young lady who went off into Muslim countries with one rule, ATL, ask the Lord. I want to tell her story. Listen to Sarah Mounts. Hey, our Safe Harbor family. My name is Sarah Mounts, and I'm from Ozark, Arkansas. Currently, I'm transitioning back to life in the States after spending 11 months overseas, serving in mostly Muslim countries. I want to share with you how our Safe Harbor was able to help me in those countries and how I know it's still being used there today. A lot of this ministry we did, we called ATL, or Ask the Lord. So we would go into a country with no host, no church family, and we would just do our best to ask God what he wanted us to do there and do what he said, <laughs> what he would tell us. But that really weighed heavy on my heart that I didn't have a church family to connect these people with who were giving up their lives, their families, just to serve God. Then I remembered that my dad had told me 
that Patrick had an online church. My dad and Patrick have known each other for years. They preached in the same tribe and got to know each other through that. So I asked my dad to send me the link for this church and was able to then take that and share it with the people in those countries that I was in, in Turkey, in Armenia, in Kyrgyzstan, and Jordan. People in those countries are still tuning in today on YouTube and just they're sharing with me how this is impacting their lives. They don't have a safe church family in their country that they can go to and get taught the word and get taught who Jesus is and what we should do with that. But they have a family online. They have a family all around the world of believers and they're able to connect to that through this church and able to know that they aren't alone, that they aren't the only ones anywhere near them that know this. They're able to connect with people in their own country who they meet through watching our Safe Harbor online. They're able to see that there are other people in their country who have the same beliefs, who are a part of the same church family and connect with them. So I'm so thankful that I'm able to get messages every week telling me how amazing the service is, how great worship was. They're just so excited to be a part of a church family. And I'm so happy that they're able to tune in with us. And I'm praying and very thankful for the day I know God's going to give them a church family in their own country, very close to them, for them to be a part of and to serve their own communities in. So I do want to say thank you, Our Safe Harbor, for providing this space that is able to be shared all around the world. And I want to say to my friends in Turkey, Merhaba, in Armenia and Kyrgyzstan, Barevskis, and in Jordan, Allah. It's so good to see you all, and I'm so thankful that I'm part of the same church family as you, just as we're all a part of the same body of Christ. Thank you all so much, and I look forward to seeing you all. There you go. <clears throat> By the way, I got in touch with Sarah, and I said, can we consider you officially a minister? of our safe harbor and you be the one who uh, communicates solely with these people because a lot of you and I know that if you're watching and you know, you're getting this translated that it is not entirely safe so we're not going to publish cities we're not going to publish any names uh, speak to Sarah and Sarah will speak to us because she's your minister and we're your family but now Jordan Kyrgyzstan I can't even spell Kyrgyzstan Turkey, I can spell Turkey, and Armenia are now, because one lady decided to ask the Lord and then act on whatever he put before her. When will we do the simple thing and quit waiting for the hard thing? We have friends all over now because of this, and think of Ivana Ortiz last week from Paraguay. Last week she said she's gonna start translating our lessons and notes into Spanish, and she already is. Uh, we've received, I think, three already. Three, three. Get down there. Uh, three. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time since I've been in school. I don't drink coffee, and I really should. I think that's the problem. Um, anyway, three uh, of these already, and are coming in. And Ivana, we just love you dearly. 
now new nations are opening up. And it isn't, though, about us. And we've got to really stress this. None of this is about us. This is about the advent. This is about allowing God to be present in every single situation, every single exchange. He told us that in Matthew 25, but he also told us in Micah 6, 8, and the Micah 6, 8 community is just a wonderful community, by the way. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he wants. Do the simple thing. I'm going to ask for our team to get back up. And as they do so, for all of us, I pray that we will get past our Naaman complex and just get busy where you are with who is there with what you have. Ask for nothing else. Just work where you are with what you've got with who is there.